On AutoLine this week, my guest is Ralph Gilles, the head of all design for the Chrysler Group and the CEO of the SRT brand, Street Racing Technology. We'll be talking about the revival of the Viper, that iconic American sports car which was shut down just as Chrysler was going into bankruptcy. It's an amazing comeback story for a company that was largely written off for dead just four years ago. Also joining me on today's show are Chris Pockert from Autoblog and Scott Burgess from AOL Autos. Underwriting for AutoLine this week is provided by... We are IAC Group, a global tier one supplier of vehicle interior solutions that span the rapid, ever-changing needs of today's industry. From interior design and engineering to manufacturing and delivery, IAC, our heritage, your advantage. From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. Here we are in the studio with our special guest, Ralph Gilles. And Ralph, I want to go back a few years, just before the bankruptcy at Chrysler. The Viper program was put up for sale, and there were all kinds of investment groups that wanted to buy the thing. And for whatever reason, it was delayed, or they couldn't get it. And I always felt secretly that Chrysler never really wanted to sell the thing, but it just did that because the automotive task force wanted to see everything on the table. Is that really what happened? No, actually the sale for Viper started long before the TARP people showed up or any of that uh, became uh, apparent. It really started with the private equity guys. They were, they were really trying to kind of look at leaning out the company as much as possible, and they, they didn't understand the Viper. They thought as, that as a distraction, and they thought, hey, there's value here. What ended up happening, though, when people started measuring it and really understanding what it would take, the cost of developing a modern-day car in this day and age is much, much more than they anticipated, especially if you don't have the infrastructures. So it was not this conspiracy thing. No. <laughs> but you're, you must be super glad that Absolutely. the company It kept- felt like a conspiracy. I mean, at the time, I, you know, everybody was, what? Selling, are you out of your mind? You know, no one could understand it because it really was like peanut butter and jelly. It really meant a lot to the company in terms of a beacon of hope and back in, when it came out as a show car in 89. Um, so no one understood it. And it really was a, not a good time to be taking morale in that direction, let's put it that way. So. But clearly Sergio Marchionne and the Fiat Group did see value in this and have invested in the product. Yes, they have. And, and, and they've actually, you know, he himself has egged us to, to make it really a good car this time around. You know, get it, become, make it modern. He understands the whole DNA. He understands a lot about um, owners and how passionate they can be, obviously, with the brands that they have. Um, so he, he challenged us, and I think we've met the challenge. So it's, it's probably uh, difficult to balance um, you know, the sort of hairy-knuckled reputation of the Viper yeah. uh, with you know, modern uh, standards, uh, expectations from customers, and also um, uh, legislative concerns. So can you talk about that battle with this new car? Yeah, we, you know, good, good point. We, did, we didn't go in this in the cocky way. Say, hey, we, we've been doing Viper some 20 years, know exactly what we're going to do. We actually were very humble about it and said, look, let's go interview the people that we don't get today you know, the other enthusiasts. And this came from our engineering side. It said, let's go talk to Corvette owners, to Audi owners, to Porsche people, and see what they think. And actually, we actually talked to some journalists on the phone. And pretty much pretty much what you said. They said, yeah, a lot of hairy knuckles stuff, but the car's a little intimidating to drive. It's a little crude. The interior's not up to snuff. For the kind of money you're asking, mm, you know what I mean? Uh, so we took that all to heart. And, uh, and I've been interviewed, and I said this. It's like it's, it hurts your feelings when you hear it. But we, 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 do, like, we do all of our product today. We put a war room together, say, here are the negatives. Here are the, the good things to keep. Here are things to leave. Here are things to improve. And then we start white-spacing the opportunity. You know, how could you blend? And when you put a cocktail like that together, the end result is, is better than we expected because we, we did nix a lot of the negatives. And uh, when people discover the car, they'll realize, wow, we didn't lose the, 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 the essence of the car, but we made it much more livable. 
every time we see the or we hear that we're going to the end of the real powerful cars and the, these kind of sports cars are kind of it's fading along comes the next viper <laughs> along comes all of these mercedes amgs are we seeing a real revival in these sports cars are just the next step. I think that you know you could you could have argued that back in OPEC days. You could argue it back in the '40s. There's always probably been this oh that that kind of stuff is is fluff or whatever. But you know performance is a constant. I think there's always going to be as long as you have the industry and you have passionate car lovers. There's always going to be this performance. Now I think what we're the way we're approaching it is to make it more exclusive. We realize the volumes are not going to grow tremendously, but the ones we do have we protect and we make the car a little more bespoke, a little more exclusive, take care of that customer. Because we're finding the people that are into it are willing to spend a surprising amount of money to, to kind of take care of their habit, so to speak. Uh, so, And we have an iconic, you know, in, in the Viper and a few other cars in the world, there's some icons that have formed over the years. So you, it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to protect that, put some magic dust on it, really develop it and keep that flame going. And, and, that, and they come back. The owners love it and they come back. Of course, in the beginning, the whole justification for the Viper was that it was going to be a halo for the Dodge brand. And now you're debranding it as a Dodge and rebranding it as SRT, another part of the company that you run. Must have been a big fight over that. A little bit, you know, but Sergio's idea, actually, to create the SRT brand as a separate brand, because you look at, you know, it did its job. Back in the day, it brought a lot of attention to Dodge. It really kind of put Dodge on the map, at least for people to look at it. Now I think Dodge is on its own. It's got its training wheels are way off from you know, many years ago. Um, but the Viper's become a, a big name, even bigger than the company itself. I mean, Viper is a name kids know in video games, and they don't always say Dodge Viper. They usually say Viper. So we're looking at this idea of taking SRT into its own direction. That allows me to focus marketing, allows me to really take care of these performance vehicles so they don't get diluted by the mission of the main brand. And it's, it's actually working. So far, people are already referring to it as SRT Viper, SRT Grand Cherokee, SRT Charger, 300 Challenger. So that really helps now build this, this kind of uh, legacy of who we are at SRT, what are we made of. And it's the same people developing all of, all of those cars. But so. people who want to buy SRTs then would have to go to a Dodge or a Chrysler or a Jeep store to be able to buy them. How do, you, how do you keep the cohesiveness a, of the brand? Now, I got some, some interesting mail uh, the other day that Sergio forwarded to me from, from a private uh, dealer who's worried. It's like people are asking him about where where do I get the Viper? And he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, so the answer is, is we're going to qualify dealers. So we can't legally stop someone who sold a Viper in the past from selling it. But we can make it a little difficult because we know there's going to be a new breed of customer coming. With the car being that better executed, more, more uh, well finished, we're going to see new people, we think. Um, so we want to make sure they have a great experience. But it's also servicing the Viper. It takes special tools. So we're going to open up to any dealer can put the money for it and the training, but it's going to be pretty difficult to hit all of those things. You've got to train, you've got to have the facilities, you've got to have some history of selling, not just Vipers, but SRTs in general. And I think what will happen is naturally boil it down to maybe 15 or 20 percent of our dealers carry the car. Is that similar to along the lines of like the Nissan did with the GRT? Yes. GTR. Sorry, yeah. uh, GRT. Yeah. Um, but they qualified people. Had You had to have special tools, certifications yeah. to work on it. Now, at the end of the day, a dealer can still order a Viper, and he may luck out and be able to get one, but we're going to really uh, allocate based on this kind of consistent performance. Going back to pulling the Viper into its, its own brand, SRT, mm-hmm. is SRT a brand that can carry more than one vehicle? Or, or do you view it as being a, a, a standalone name, as a, a standalone nameplate? Name yes. I don't know. I mean, at night in my private moments, I have dreams about that. You know, can we create another SRT that stands alone? Why not? I think the SRT name is has pretty good, you know, presence, especially among the enthusiasts. They all are starting to know what SRT means and stands for. So there may be a time, but it's right now. I'm focused on launching the Viper and, and do a good job at that. Yeah. 
So let's talk a little bit about design, too. How, how do you balance both running <laughs> SRT with the Viper, and that's got to eat up a lot of your time, and yet you're the head of all design at the Chrysler Group? John, it's simple. It's good team. A really, you know, surrounded by some excellent, excellent men and women in, in design office. And we have been together a long time. We almost finish each other's sentences. There's a great camaraderie there. So I trust my guys a lot, you know. But I get in there, and I, and I can be obtrusive sometimes because when I do go in, I can, you know, <laughs> make some dust and stuff. But... But the same token, um, they bring a lot of great stuff to me. So managing it is, is a pleasure. I mean, in my job right now, I every, wake up every day, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so, so lucky to, to have this wonderful balance of a challenge, yes, ma managing all this stuff is a challenge, but also having a great team that I can rely on and know they got my back. And that's the same in the SRT side with the engineers and the same with the marketing and also design. And I imagine you've got to... Uh connect with the Fiat people, too, the head of Fiat design, right? Is that, yeah. do, do you report up through Fiat on the, on the design a, side of things, you know, or how does that work? His name is uh, Mr. Ramachodi. Lorenzo Ramachodi runs the global, uh, he's kind of the global design rep for all design in the companies, but he doesn't really worry about my day-to-day -day so much. We do connect weekly, but it's more exchanging notes kind of thing. Hey, what are you working on? Because as we go forward, we're trying, starting to share more and more platforms. So it would behoove us to know what the hard points are so we don't do anything silly. And if, we're, if there's synergies, great. We can tackle those together. So we have a great relationship. He's coming this week. We're going to hang out together, but, and he tours the studios, as I did three weeks ago. I went to Italy, and I toured his studio. So it's really a, you know, I think it's a, in that way we're equals in terms of design heads, but he's definitely the boss when it comes to reporting out to the board or so, things like that. Is SRT uh, big enough now where it can get uh, in early on a vehicle's development that may or may not end up having an SRT-specific model? Are you giving feedback on suspension tunings, baseline settings for, for powertrain? I'd be lying to you if I said for the Dart, for example, if we looked at the Dart and said we already have an SRT, no. You know, we, looked at, we know the platform's good. We know it has a great bones. It's a nice, stiff structure. So we're, we're dreaming about it, and we're looking. And I can't, my, my email is full of, Let's, why aren't you, when are you going to build the SRT for? Now, on the other hand, the 300 Charger and Challenger, we knew those cars were going to be SRTs from day one, especially a second generation. So, of course, we went and said, hey, this time around, because the first time, no. They were kind of, we took an existing platform, and we tried to make an SRT. Yeah, we did make an SRT. This time around, yes, we went in there and said, hey, if we could help us out here with, you know, you know, with the camber, actually, the negative camber was a big change because they're fixed uh, mounting points. And actually, the base car program took it on as well. So the new 2011s and, and 12s benefited from some SRT know-how and vice versa. So in the company, it's, it's almost symbiotic now. Yeah. In Chrysler on a whole, on the design side, where, where, where are you really concentrating your work? Where, where do you think, which brand needs? Wow. <laughs> That's a tough question, Scott. I think they all need a lot of love. What's happening now, the brands um, have become very different. You know, in the past, we, you know, we are all guilty of badge engineering. Every company has gone through that stage. But now we're really designing specifically for brands. And what I've done is I've broken the brands into each has their own brand head. And that designer will sit in the staff meeting of the, uh, the commercial brand head. Right? And that allows them to understand, okay, where are they trying to take the brand, either whether it's international. Jeep, for example, is the most, probably the most challenging because it, it truly is our international brand. That is in every corner of the globe. And the, all the markets have their own specific need. Unlike Mr. Welburn, who's got 12 studios throughout the world, I only have one. And I have to really keep my ears and antennas as high as possible so I can listen for those details. That, and the only way to get that is having a dedicated person. So that's how we divvy that up. Now, it, it goes in ebb and flows. Right now, it's Jeep, the year of Jeep. We're doing so many things for Jeep right now. And Chrysler's right around the corner. Everyone says, what's going to happen with Chrysler? We're working like crazy in Chrysler. And, and then you have Dodge. I mean, it never stops, but it, there's definitely a sine wave effect where some are a little more than others. But, again, it's a great team. I've got a great team of guys. You have all motor racing for the Chrysler Group reporting mm -hmm. to you. And 
Chrysler wants to export a lot more cars around the world. Are you looking at any international motor racing programs <laughs> to spread the word? See, so when you're around journalists, you have to be careful because at the Detroit Auto Show, I was interviewed by uh, some journalists from Australia. You know, and I love I love V8 touring cars, right? So I made a comment. He goes, "Would you ever race the the 300 in Australia?" And I, I go. Why not? You know, that little comment, that why not comment <laughs> has caused me a lot of problems. But, um, yeah, that, it's interesting. You know, in, in motorsports, you have to be careful because in some of those places, we're, we're not big players, right? So, and it takes big budgets to do any significant thing in racing. Uh, so we have to be a little careful how we manage that. Now, I encourage the local markets. There's actually some dealers that have bought Vipers and things and done their own thing. And we'll, we'll help them out with graphics, whatever we can, a little bit of engineering know-how. But got to be very selective. Uh, if I do race somewhere, I want to do it right. Um, and that's the approach we're taking in ALMS, for example, in, in, in uh, NASCAR, and now Rallycross. And, of course, we have been supporting NHRA for a long time with our partners at Mopar. And, of course, in NASCAR, the biggest motor racing series in the United States, mm -hmm. the, the one lead team that you had, the Penske mm -hmm. team, announced it's going to leave Dodge and go to Ford. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything that you can update us on next year's plans well, for NASCAR? Um, in a way, of course. We were caught off guard. It wasn't something Mr. Penske and I were, were in the middle of negotiations, and, and uh, he just wanted a longer-term contract. You know, He wanted something that was five years long, and we couldn't offer that. Uh, so he went with Ford, and I don't blame him. And we're, what I'm trying to do right now is focus on, if I can give him his first championship in NASCAR, I will. And that's how we're approaching this year, and we're doing well. You know, Brad is doing consistently well. We've, we've solved a lot. of Fuel injection, you would think, is a mature technology. <laughs> oh, my God, has it been a challenge in, in NASCAR with the fine particles we've had to deal with filtering? You name it, we've, we've come across a lot of issues that we dealt with probably 20 years ago in the production world. Um, so we're focused that way. In terms of the next year, we're still slowly developing the 2013 cards been unveiled. If you haven't seen the 2013 Charger, it's stunning. Um, but we're whiteboarding the rest. Uh, we're looking at a brand new approach to NASCAR because uh, we were kind of locked in for 10 years with Mr. Penske. We had Everham for a while um, and Petty. But we're looking at something a little different, a little different business model altogether. With the, with the de-emphasis on the car maker and the emphasis on the driver, mm -hmm. what does Dodge get out of NASCAR? What does it get out of the, yeah. the, the racing? What, what do you see so I think, I think of NASCAR as a marketing platform. It always has been. Um, it's been a little too biased towards marketing. And it, uh, there's a point in time when I first got interested in motorsports. You know, I've always been an F1 fan, but I, I got the job in motorsports about two and a half years ago. And that's the first time I really paid attention to NASCAR. I said, it's just a blob running around with a bunch of stickers on it. You know, it could be anybody's car. And at the same time, that's when we started um, talking to NASCAR about identity. And they've done that in Nationwide. You see the Nationwide cars look very much like a streetcar now. The Challenger especially is the most faithful. And we're about to go that way in 2013. The Fusion is going to have, all the cars are going to have a very distinctive aesthetic. Now I'm interested again. So what does it do? There's, you know, you said number two sport in the U.S. after football and number uh, two motorsport in the world, believe it or not, uh, after any motorsport is NASCAR. So it's got a lot of heft, a lot of marketing mass to it. And there's 36 races a year. Anywhere from a million to up to seven million people can watch a race on, in a chase. It's obscene. It's, it's, like, it's like having 10 Super Bowls back to back. Um, so you've got to get in front of the audience one way or the other. Yeah. Motorsports has been central to the Vipers myth and, and um, its progress and development as both a production vehicle um, and as a phenomenon. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for the new car? Uh, well, huge. So for the first time ever, the, the Viper has been launched with its racing counterpart at the same time. I mean, we dropped that in New York. No one had ever, didn't expect that one coming. And why I think that's important is the Viper has had an unfortunate myth of being a straight line American muscle car, you know, and the Viper's actually always been a great road racer. Um, we've, we've had m multiple world championships in, in uh, GT racing. 
Uh, so I, I wanted to bring that back in a big way. And we know, especially with this audience, this, this Audi, Porsche, this kind of exclusive audience, they race in, in GT racing, and ALMS specifically, uh, Petit Le Mans and Le Mans ultimately. Uh, so I want to be there. And I think we have history there. Uh, we, they missed us. We've been gone for almost 10 years. And they actually, when I went to talk to the ACO, uh, and, uh, they came here. We, we spoke to, to the French guys from, mm -hmm. I can speak French, it was fun. <laughs> 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 it was very helpful. Um, they admitted that, hey, you know, you guys belong in, in uh, this kind of racing. And, and even the people that can't ever buy your car, they love to look at it. And what I've enjoyed about the fact, this time we can control the aesthetic of the race car because we were doing it simultaneous with the street car. If you look at our race cards, I think it's the most beautiful race car ever because it's all the, all the aerodynamic things that we had to do are all morphed together by designers. We actually had designers working side by side with Riley, Riley's engineers to create a car that just grew that way. And I think now you're marketing because now the, the race car looks like the street car. It's, it's, it's a hero out there and not just another race car. So it's exciting. As you mentioned, the, the original Viper was all hairy knuckles, you know, kind of a crude car, a <laughs> yeah. lot of fun to drive. I'm wondering with the new one, do you lose some of the old buyers? Do you attract new ones? Where, where do so you see it So far, there's a, a few that we've, what we're doing with the new cars, we're offering it up in a somewhat raw state. So you can buy the car without a lot of the, the, the details to try to appeal to that customer. But a lot of our owner base has actually gotten more mature over time. They're, they're that a lot of, older. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> But it, talking to them, they're saying, you know what, I think I could use cruise control. Yeah, I don't mind having, you know, a better Stability audit. control. And that's <laughs> mandatory. I have no yeah, choice. But, to, but what we did do is when, if we're going to have stability control, it's going to be multi-mode. <coughs> it's going to be the SRT way. Mm -hmm. So it's very passive. And we spent over three years working on stability controls. The first thing, Sergio, way back when the program wasn't even approved yet, uh, we said, look, we need a little money to get the stability control because it takes a long time to develop that very well. So we did that, and that has paid dividends. The car driving the prototypes. Oh my God, For I'm a racer and it's so passive. You can take the car to a limit. If you know what you're doing, it can tell you know what you're doing and it leaves you alone. If it can tell you're erratic or you have issues, it's there to help you out. So most drivers won't even know it's there. And that's the way a stability control should be done. So we've tried to take modern technology and blend it and keep the cars, as you said, the essence of the car intact. And as people discover it, they'll be like, how did they do it? And that's, even myself, I'm, I'm kissing my engineers. How did you do that? How did you, you keep the visceral side and add the technology all in one car? It's just... And that, that's how you make legend cars. Yeah. So does that open it up to new, or more I, buyers? I think so. You, you, now, you guys have been selling, what, about 2,000 a year? Do you think it's No, a, on average, over the years, 1,600 a year. 1,600, okay. Yeah. Where, where peak year, if we've been over 2,000 on peak years, okay. back in 03 when we launched. I think it's, it, we're, we can go either way. The business case is very good in the mid-thousands, thousands, I'll put it that way, 1,500-ish area. Uh, but with capacity, we can do well over 2,000 if we need to. Mm -hmm. What's different this time around, the car's been engineered to be international. So we have European consumption, Middle East, it does very well there. Dubai is a great market for supercars, places like that. So we're prepared. Now the car has, the other thing we've done at launch, we're going to have a lot of colors, a lot of configurability, a lot of models. So the car can be almost custom ordered. You could conceivably have one of one out of 2,000 cars if you did your homework. So that, to me, is very exciting. And that's kind of Sergio's way, right? Uh, offer up a, a full menu, let yep. the customer choose. Exactly. And you're only starting with the fixed head coupe, correct? You're not... For now, yeah. yeah. The car is always prepared to be a roadster, but right now we're focused on, because of the road racing, a lot of people do track day cars. Most of the cars nowadays actually end up at these uh, clubs, these driving clubs. And what was the model mix of the outgoing car? It was 60-40, uh, roughly from convertible to hardtop. We, we usually always launch with the Roadster first, and mm -hmm. the hardtop came a couple years later. This time we're doing it the other way around. And I've heard about that, too, from my owners, who are very vocal. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Roadster? So we'll get to that in time. You must have more customer input on designing a car like this than all the other kinds of vehicles, maybe Jeep? What? Everything. I mean, it's... Uh, 
the bad part of you know being a little bit public now uh, figure in a way you know I get a lot of my people know they can reach me so I I read a lot all my, all my email I reach I'm on Twitter now kind of just creeping out on that world seeing what's there <laughs> very vocal people and in, it, with modern technology with digital age that we live in you can read commentary the next morning the day of minutes afterwards so I, I take it all in but I, I have to focus on the future I can't be so consumed by people's reactions uh, today because we we have to kind of lead you know so we knew the Viper isn't going to be for everybody. Uh, but I'm a big believer when you see cars in person, you see them on the freeway, you, you live with them, you realize, ah, I get it now. And that's how we approach design, whether it's a Jeep, whether it's a 300, whatever. It's, it's a, we believe in what we believe in. And there's plenty of, if they don't like our car, go buy a, a different one. You know, so. Yeah. Most of the SRT product is big, more traditional kind of vehicles. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that you're, you're looking at the, the Dart and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, but now Fiat has the Abart version yeah. of the Cinquecento, the Fiat 500, its performance. Yeah. Where do you see performance going at the, the lower end, the smaller end of the, the mix? Huge market for that. And a lot of people, like I, I drive an Abarth. That's my little Abarth pin. I love it. I've always loved small front-wheel drive, uh, overly powered cars. I love that kind of thing. And I have an SRT4 in my garage still, an older one. Um, there's, and a lot of the people mistakenly say, oh, the kids drive those. If, if I'm a kid, so be it. You know, and it's a lot of 40-year-old kids driving these kind of cars because they love commuters. And they may have their muscle car in the garage, but they need a car every day that's not boring to drive, right? So I know there's a great market for that. It always has been. Uh, the key is how to execute it. Because you can, you, can, you can design it for no offense, but you can de- design it for the journalist who will never buy it. And it has to have all-wheel drive and make 700 horsepower and go to the moon and stuff like that. Yeah, diesel. Or you <laughs> diesel, roll-up windows. Diesel, yeah, everything. <laughs> or you can design it for the actual consumer and make a very smart compromise. So right now we're in the process of figuring out what that exact right balance is so it's successful, not just a, a distraction. Okay, and down the road here, the industry has to hit 54.5 miles yes, per gallon. Yes, yes. So now we see <laughs> Ferrari doing hybrid. a hybrid, yeah. using the Kerr system, essentially, yeah. and uh, Porsche looking at uh, a monster kind of hybrid. Do, yeah. do you see green performance? Does that, isn't that I, such an I, I look oxymoron? At, do you see it catching on? Performance or not, I see that technology is, is very close coupled to performance anyway. You know, if you look at a lot of those things that used to call technology, fuel injection was for fuel economy, now it's anything, right? So F1 is a great test bed for that stuff. But what I look at is I want to use SRT as a technology proving grounds. You know, we're looking, you know, the Viper's a great place, superformed aluminum, using lightweight technologies. So what's happening now is, especially on my design side, the engineers are doing their homework. They're looking at some pretty exotic uh, engine technologies. We have multi-speed transmissions, but they keep coming back to me for Aero. Ralph, you own the Aero. You know, you owe me another, you know, 10, 15 counts of drag you got to get rid of. And I'm like, wow. So we're starting to really, we've, we've been looking at arrow more than ever. If you look at the dart, top to bottom, underneath the car, everybody's done their, their part to get the arrow as good as possible. But there's yet more then. But you have to start dramatically changing the styling of a vehicle to really get to the next level of arrow. Or what about active arrow? I mean, yes. you've got the, got the, the, the louvers. You know, the Ram the has the shutters. The, the Dart will have shutters on the, e, on the Eco version, and it's available. So, yeah, but it's all of the above. It's just like everything else. Now everybody's got to come to the party. It's not just low-rolling resistance tires or, or whatever. It's everything. So that's the way we're looking at it. We're discussing fuel economy. At every time we do a product approval, we discuss fuel economy before, you know, during. So we really think everybody's tasked with, you know, what, what they can do to, to help. So... I, you can never look at those kind of things and say they're impossible. It's better to just put your head down and try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But you don't see uh, the green crowd buying a performance green vehicle or the performance crowd buying a performance uh, green vehicle, do I get, I get, like right now we have MDS in all of our SRTs except for the manual uh, chart Challenger. And I get owners 
thanking me for what we've done with the SRTA Grand Cherokee. I'm like, well, it gets, doesn't get, barely gets 20 miles per gallon. He goes, well, if I hypermile it, if I keep it in four-cylinder mode, so even the most enthusiast driver, he's, he's got a long commute, and he plays with it. I have a commission. If I can stay under 60,000 miles, the thing will get 22 miles per gallon. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> so it, it can coexist. So we give, make it on our owners now. We're looking at eco buttons and different things. Uh, with the eight-speed uh, coming in the future, uh, that's really going to make a huge difference. So we're chipping away at it. Um, we, we always have an eye on economy as well as performance. We can balance it, too. Scott mentioned diesel in passing. Mm -hmm. What about diesel performance? I mean, it's, a, it's got great driving characteristics, especially for North American consumers, mm -hmm. monster torque, and you can beat on them all day long, and they still yeah. get return great mileage in a way that a hybrid doesn't seem to be able to do. So I agree with you. First of all, the diesel, the problem with the diesel is very, very expensive. The technology is four times the cost of our, our standard technology. In Europe right now, we're, we, we have a lot of know-how in diesel. We're, you know, we're bringing diesel um, there. So I'm, I'm going to look at it there. I think there's a good playground. Performance diesel is, is happening in droves over there. And, what, and, and I'm thanking BMW and Audi because they're doing a great job dispelling the myth of diesel in the States by racing, by doing advertising, by pushing it. They're kind of clearing the weeds for us. Uh, so there'll be a time when diesel makes a lot of sense stateside. It's also the after uh, the tailpipe, all of the, the, the ingredients that you need to keep that clean mm -hmm. is the... One of That's, the more difficult. Yeah, th there's a lot of costs in it. What do we call the after treatment? After uh, treatment. The catalytic okay. converter is huge. The, now you have the DF fluid uh, that you have to have really to get to the next level. And then, of course, the powertrain itself is very expensive because of the, the 29 bar fuel injection versus, you know, whatever it is, two bar. But the good news is in yeah. 2014, I think it is, Europe goes to Euro 6, and now their emission yes. standards match our emission Finally. standards, and that's going to be able to commonize yeah. emissions equipment and yeah. drive the that makes, And even China's going to bin 5 and eventually oh, the yeah. same, so yeah. Hey, we're out of time. Ralph Gilles, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's really good having you here. It's Scott Burgess, Chris Pockard, great having you guys here, too. And I want to thank all of you who tuned in, and please join us again here next week for AutoLine This Week. Underwriting for AutoLine this week has been provided by... We are IAC Group, a global tier one supplier of vehicle interior solutions that span the rapid, ever-changing needs of today's industry. From interior design and engineering to manufacturing and delivery. IAC, our heritage, your advantage.